You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome in to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Matt Coulter, longtime broadcaster in the state of Alabama, and of course, the often decorated sports writer, Lars Anderson. It's Friday, Lars. It's Friday. I can hear the excitement in your voice. I am pretty jacked up about it, but I mean, it is, it's now officially summer. I mean, I know it's just two days ago, but man, it is hot, it is humid, and it's very sunny, though. It's good, good for golf, I guess. Uh, but it's all good as we head into the weekend. The weekend will include the College World Series, uh, a lot of follow-up to last night's NBA draft, and then Sunday night, the uh, Stallions will continue to defend their USFL title as they take on the Breakers 6 o'clock at Protective Stadium. All that being said, Lars, I could watch just a little bit of the NBA but I think I was a, like a lot of people. The LSU-Wake Forest game continued to become more and more and more compelling. So I was even watching the commercials. Excuse me. Probably not supposed to say that because we, we live <laughs> off commercials. But it was such an outstanding baseball game. One text from a guy said, man, this is slow ball. I hate uh, golly. You know how I flew off about that. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about the NBA draft, but just first, let's let's dive in. Robbie Glenn's going to join us later. We can talk about the College World Series. But I know because we swapped texts last night. What a baseball game. Uh, I absolutely loved it. The, the great pitchers duel. Uh, excellent defense. A defensive play, in my mind, ended up winning the game with the LSU first baseman charging hard on that bunt and making that beautiful flip to the catcher just to get the Wake Forest runner out in the eighth inning, and that really preserved it for LSU. I, 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 or I, I don't think LSU wins the game if that is if that play at the plate isn't made. And you know, that play, I should say that that little like almost like shuttle pass that the first baseman made, it just reminded me of Derek Jeter. I, I mean, I don't, it, it, it's different, different circumstances because Jeter drifted all the way over from short when uh, the outfielder overthrew the cutoff man at first. And then Jeter just was there and flipped it uh, to uh, Posada to make the out at, at, at home plate. And that play, by the way, by, the, by Jeter, that was the play that really sparked the whole Yankees dynasty of the of the 90s. It was uh, it was that moment. I think if, if you were to figure out a genesis moment of that dynasty, that is it. But last night, I mean, you're more of a baseball person than I am, Matt. But I, I was just riveted by these two starting pitchers. And uh, these guys, they, they, they couldn't be much more different in their in their style and their approach. And but, I, I, but yeah, and, I, and, and we talked about it yesterday. I really thought they were only going to throw 20 pitches. 
But no, man, these guys went into, uh, I think each threw about over 100 uh, or right around 100 and just huge performances. I just have so much respect for the, the grit of LSU. I've never been like a huge LSU person, but I, I may be pulling for LSU in the final just because of what they showed, the character to come back from a game down against a powerhouse team like Wake Forest. I mean, we thought, and we've discussed how Wake Forest is one in the country, number one, and then there was a, like a wide gap between one and the next best team in the country, which, oh, by the way, happens to be, I think, Florida. Um, so uh, who's in the final against LSU? So I, I just, I loved it. I feel, I feel bad for Wake Forest fans, but then again, after uh, hearing how Alabama fans were treated at Wake, maybe this was some comeuppance and even, you know, they, they heckled Greg Byrne. Uh, according to, uh, you know, one of our guests. And so um, I just thought it was an amazing baseball game. And uh, what a great turnout in Omaha, too. I mean, I think there was five Wake Forest fans there. Uh, LSU. Hear them. LSU L- fans. Just. LSU fans. And then, and then just the locals. I mean, that's a huge stadium. Two, two teams that, you know, they don't know anything about in Nebraska. And uh, and yet they, they come out to watch great baseball, and that is exactly what they got last night. And they continue to lead in the Jello Shots department. They're now over 30,000. Well, oh, okay. Amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it one guy just, like, buying a, a ton of them? Yeah, the then, guy that owns Raisin Cane. The, the yeah, but, is, is, but are these absolutely getting downed? Or do we have evidence of that? Is he just have buying you ever the been j- around an LSU fan that would turn down a Jello shot? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever no. turned down a Jello shot? Uh, I probably have, but more often <laughs> I didn't. Um, I'm not real fond of them. They're interesting. I'm not either. But um, I do think that, uh, and now that LSU's in the finals, the, you know the the final series, that number's just going to grow. But. I'm sorry. Let's not go there. Let's go back to the baseball game. And then first pitch, Tank White, Jacks one, no doubter, and walk off. Just such exciting baseball. And and the fact that the the pitchers were throwing so well, the coaches had to play their small ball hand. And they had to bunt. And they actually made – they actually, before I think four bunts attempted in this series were popped up. Last night – I'm not sure if anybody popped up. I think they were all laid down successfully. And I, I love that kind of baseball. Don't get me wrong. I like the long ball, too. But, and a long ball did win it for LSU. But uh, I, I really like it when it's just such a mental game when you get to where one run, a runner on second, get a guy in scoring position, try and get a base hit. It just it was compelling on every level of baseball, and I, I loved it, and I was pulling for LSU. Uh, I would have been because it's a conference thing. And I said yesterday that I thought LSU was very much capable of winning um, the game last night because they played in the SEC, and they knew what it's like to, to play one-run games and, and no hit you know no run games. And I think that fell in their favor, and now there's without question – and it goes without saying, I will anyway. There will be a college 
baseball World Series champion from the Southeastern Conference. So yeah, but how, how impressive was how, how impressive was Paul Skeens? I mean, he's LSU's ace on four days rest. He throws eight shutout innings, strikes out uh, nine, just allowed two hits. He broke Ben McDonald's LSU and SEC strikeout record in the second inning. And then also Rhett Louder, I mean, from Wake Forest, just matching him, pitch for pitch, inning for inning. Inning for inning. And it was, you know, the old adage, right? Good pitching will always beat good hitting. And they had great hitting. Both those teams did. Yeah, that was just, uh, you know, neither you nor I had anything invested in this game uh, personally, right? We're not, we're not support, we're not fans of either team. But man, we, but you and I both appreciate sports at its highest level, and this was it. This was sport at its at its best, at its finest, and uh, it's it's going to be hard to top that. I'm, my my question now for LSU is: Was that so emotional of a win that you got to turn around? They get the day off today, and then you turn around on Saturday with a depleted pitching staff, and you got to play Florida. Uh, I, I I I know it's for the championship, but but sometimes you see that that uh, that a team that extends and almost overextends itself in a semifinal emotional game in the finals it's like they just they don't have like the emotional energy right to keep it going and that would be my concern if i am the lsu uh manager and i think if i was him i would just give them today the complete day off i wouldn't practice uh maybe like meet at night to go over scouting reports but I would just tell them to get away from baseball as much as you can for a few hours. Well, I mean, what would you do if you were the LSU manager? Exactly what you just said. Get away, but stay away from Rico's. No, no jello shots for the LSU baseball players. <laughs> yeah. But on initial thought, you're right. And we've seen it happen so many times before that a team just spends all of their energy. And once they get there, they get to the pinnacle, then suddenly they go off the other side in a hurry. But again, I will go back to the level of play that Florida, that LSU and Florida both have gone through during the league. And I think that will help LSU rebound. Now, you can't rebound from using up your pitchers, though. And just from a baseball standpoint, I see that as the major problem with LSU going forward. And by the way, Florida's rested. Yeah, Games are ready to go. Yeah, they're pitching. They're, they're, they have everything in order exactly like they want it. So now you, you look at Paul Paul Skeens, right? Their ace, LSU's ace. Uh, they obviously they can't throw him tomorrow. Uh, and then if he would go on uh, on on Sunday, that would be what three days rest. Uh, really, two, two and a half days rest. <laughs> Can you throw them again on in game two if you lose game one? It's the World Series. If he's physical, healthy, and the numbers add up, yeah, you throw him. You throw Lars Anderson if you think you can win. I mean, he was know? still throwing. He was throw. He was yeah. hitting a hundred in the eighth inning. It was. Man, I mean, what he, what he wasn't deal. getting. He wasn't getting as much bite on his uh, on his breaking ball. It seemed like, but. Uh, they still couldn't hit him. 
I mean, the guy was incredible. Just incredible. So was their bullpen, you know? Uh, their bullpen shut down a very, very powerful Demon Deacons do you, baseball do you, team. Do you, do you ever feel like... As 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 happy I was for LSU, for that poor Wake Forest pitcher comes off, been sitting in the dugout or been sitting in the uh, bullpen all day long, comes out, throws up one pitch, and man, he he served that up. It was a high breaking ball that didn't break, and uh, just got to, got crushed over the left field fence, but. Um, yeah, I feel how do you feel? Don't don't you feel bad? Absolutely. Like like to, and, and to me, he will be a great story, but not. You can't write that story now because it's just too fresh. But like six months from now, I, I, if I were still writing magazine stories, I would try to approach him and just see, you know, how he has overcome this really dramatic and traumatic incident for him. With all the wonderful fastballs and sliders and changeup that these two pitching staffs, particularly uh, the starters, were throwing, man, you said it. That was room service. I mean, yeah, it was. right there at the belt, and it was a slider that just stayed up, and he and White just tanked it. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're going to switch gears. We will talk about the NBA, of course, uh, especially with the. Miller and Clowney going in the first round for the University of Alabama. But uh, the Stallions play Sunday night. I'm going to go, Lars. Hope you join me. We'll be talking with tight end Jay Sternberger on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Big Noon Sports on a Friday. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. What if you could help? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Weekend is looking good. Warmer, drier, only a tiny chance of an isolated storm this afternoon. Today, time high near 86. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 65. And tomorrow for your Saturday, partly cloudy with a daytime high of 91 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Lars Anderson, Jay Sternberger will join us shortly. I confirmed it this morning, but sometimes on Fridays they lift uh, late after they finish up practice. And I know in the past we've had to wait a couple of minutes, and that may be the case again. But uh, you know, that Chase, allows us to. Yeah, you know, you know, Chase was uh, named to the All U- uh, USFL team, uh, uh, and uh, along with Alex and Magoo. Uh, those were the two Birmingham Stallions to uh, make first team on offense. And unbelievably, no Stallion uh, defender was named to the first team. But uh, but Chase did. 
and uh, what a year he's having. Uh, he is uh, he leads the league in receiving touchdowns with seven, second in receiving yard average, 15 and a half, 15 and a half, 15, it's 15.7. But um, for a tight end to average 15.7 yards per catch is like is unheard of. Uh, well, to lead uh, in uh, touchdowns, is, yeah, yeah, that's spectacular, too. Uh, um, yeah, he is clearly, clearly the best tight end in the league, and uh, and I would, I would venture to say that of everyone in this league, he perhaps has the best shot at making the NFL roster uh, this fall. Um, and uh, I, I definitely want to want to talk to him just about his experience. And and one thing we haven't gotten into with him is that he was out of football for about 18, 19 months. And, uh, you know, he's he's told others that uh, he just didn't realize what he had until it was gone. And so it'll be interesting. I, I just want to dig into, you know, that that period of his life. Uh, what he was doing, what he was thinking. Did he think his NFL, did he think his football career was over? So there's a lot of stuff to cover with Chase, who's a a fascinating guy and uh, uh, one of our favorites, of course. And he's been nice nice enough to join us basically uh, every week during the second half of the season. Well, he's standing by and we're going to bring up Jay Sternberger, all USFL tight end for our own Birmingham Stallions. Jay's probably just finished up a workout, maybe lunch. What's going on, Jace? It's Matt and Lars uh, again. How are you, man? How are we doing? Doing good. good. Yeah, I actually just got done with my list, so we're all good. Um, Hey, you did it again. Touchdown catch. Game winner. Hey. I want you to realize yes, something, Jace, real quick. Since you have started joining our show on a regular basis, you've caught five touchdown passes <laughs> and are now the leader in the USFL and TD reception. So I just I, I oh, want to yeah. let you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, all about us, right? Yeah, we, we we take full credit for that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I, I, once something starts working, don't 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 fix it. Oh, trust me, we'll be talking next Friday because y'all are going to beat the break, uh, beat the breakers. Hey, tell us a little bit about the game in Memphis. Uh, it appears to me that the Showboats and the Stallions have got a pretty good rivalry going on. I think the coaches have kind of got it going on, accusing running up the score. Uh, was it chippy on the field? Uh, uh I, I don't want to give them too much credit. I don't think it was that chippy. They, uh, they played hard. You know, it's, it's always tough for a team. Yeah, you always got to respect the team when they really have nothing to play for and they come out and give you their best shot just because of who we are. But, I mean, I think for them to make the playoffs, they had to beat us by, like, 63 points, and the Breakers couldn't score a point against the Gamblers. And, you know, it just it's not really realistically when it came to them talking playoffs. And so, uh, for us, we you know, our mindset all week was more, you know, we got to handle business and – we don't want to leave it up for doubt because we don't. I, I just didn't want the Breakers to get the number one seed because I just didn't want to have to, them to even think that they were in the same, you know, category as us when it came to regular season. Because, like, I, I've, been, I've been said it all year, you know, they uh, they celebrated like they won the Super Bowl after they, they finally beat, beat us week three. And I think after they beat us, they went on like a, they were like one and three in their last uh, four games. And it just, like I said, it was just it just meant more to them that that week just meant more to them, I guess. And so, 
that's why when we won week eight, we didn't we didn't celebrate. We didn't really do any of that because you know we're looking for the long term. Of, we want to win the championship, and uh, we used Memphis as just another stepping stone to get to where we needed to be. So that that was a good game for us, though adversity wise. Because, you know, I think that was our lo- the most we were down all year. Besides losing to New Orleans, but I think we were down like a 13 or 11, something like that. And it was, it was just a good good reality check right before the playoffs. Jace, uh, congratulations on being named uh, all USFL first team. That's, uh, that's a big deal, big honor. Uh, so congrats on that. Uh, your quarterback, Alex Magoo, was as well. I was surprised that no stallion defender was named to first team all USFL. I, I, do you guys follow that? And if you do, were you surprised as well that, that nobody on your defense uh, it was named to the first team? Um. So the the the, the rosters the the first team you know that's voted on by the players and coaches, and so uh, and obviously we can't vote for our for, our, for, for your own team or obviously I would have voted for some of our guys. But I, I I was surprised. But then again, you look at that list and it's like man, it's a that's a tough list to just you know take some of our guys on just to put them on. Everybody else on the I thought on the defensive side they earned it for sure. Uh, but I think you can make cases for some of our guys too as well. And uh, um, like I said, you can't get too too wrapped up in those in those rosters because at the end of the day, you, you never know. Uh, I feel like a lot of people hate Birmingham, don't like us anyway. So it it was. Hard. I think <laughs> me and Alex just gave him no choice to vote for us. But other than that, I don't think a lot of people are going to vote anything Birmingham. I, I did notice too that uh, your punter made it, Colby Waldman. Yes, punter uh, and snapper. Yeah, and so have you done? I, I know that uh, sometimes tight ends will do some long snapping, right? Have you ever done long snapping, and and what makes a really good long snapper? You're asking the wrong guy because I've never done that. I've never tried. <laughs> I was like, I got enough on my plate. Let me try to at least get good at what I'm doing first before I try to do someone else's job. <laughs> totally. Uh, but there, are, I, I do know tight ends who do who naturally just long snap. They just do it and. Uh, I think the best you said what makes it a good one. I think it's a lot of rep. Yeah, a lot um, of rep. And I, I was uh, reading an interesting story uh, about you um, of how uh, you took basically eighteen months off of football. Um, what what were those months like? And uh, did you realize that you really missed the game? Uh, and is that why you decided to give the USFL a chance, or uh, just just take us back and, and walk us through that time period in your life? Uh, well, at first it was, you know, I, I had just been released from Pittsburgh, so it really wasn't like by choice or anything that I was, you know, doing doing going away from football. And then the first, like I said, and I, I had I had just had my my son, and so I was, you know, a new dad and everything. So that's where my mind is at, and. At first, you know, when you're not on the team, you're always thinking like, okay, well, I'm a week away from getting signed to a team or at least a workout. And then, you know, time just kept passing and like, I was just so confused. And, you know, then I kind of got the the word around town of, you know, why I haven't been picked up or why I wasn't signed or why teams were worried about me and certain things. I might lose you real quick. I'm going up the stairs to my apartment. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a bad spot in my area. And, uh, well, then, you know, one thing led to another, and now I'm six months, seven months into it, and I still haven't 
plays in a game or I haven't had any calls really. And then I got a couple of workouts here and there, but it was about December. You know, I kind of realized, okay, I'm probably not going to get signed to the team. And now I was thinking, do I want to do a futures contract? Or, you know, I just, I just really didn't know what was going to happen. In those, like I said, those 18 months, I was really just... My son saved my life, to be honest. Because that's literally, I, I just put all my time and effort into just being a dad and trying to be there for him as much as I could. Because I just knew in the long run that... Sorry, those stairs have kicked my butt. I'm so out of the hospital. <laughs> so, okay. I, you, know, you, know, you know what? It's, it's, so, in, it's, so, in, it's so interesting to me that, that professional athletes, like they can run and run and run and run, but you, you, you make a professional athlete go up three flights of stairs while talking. Oh, yeah, it, I don't care how. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We're all the same when it comes yeah. to stairs. Like, I can. <laughs> and so, it, it I, just I've came had, down to it. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I'm a relatively new dad myself, and those you can't get those moments back. So, you know, maybe it was a blessing in disguise that you got to spend all and, that time with your son. And that's how, and that's, that's kind of what I started telling myself is because, I mean, I know that everybody can say, it's like, you're always supposed to have confidence in yourself. But I just know deep down that I wasn't done with football, and I just didn't know when I was going to get another chance, but I knew it was going to come, so... At the end of the day, like, my, my, I couldn't, my mind wouldn't let me wonder, like, okay, are we done for football, this and that. Like, I was even planning to start helping Coach Fisher coach at A&M, but there was just mm-hmm. something in my gut that wouldn't let me fully commit to that yet. And so, you know, I just told myself that I think this was, you know, normally on an NFL roster, you know, I'm traveling, I'm gone every week, I'm not going to get to be home that much. And so I just feel like, you know, this was God allowing me to, spend this year with my son and really enjoy it though because you know a lot of players don't get to do that with their kids unless their kids live with them or they're moving with them on the road and my son being born you know we really don't want him traveling that much right now so he's you know he's he's in Houston with his mom and uh it was just you know a blessing in disguise I was like maybe this is you know I just need to take this year really let it sit down you know humbling and just you know be there for my son and then because you know once I do get back on a team and I'm really starting to, you know, make a name for myself. I'm not going to get a be, be, be at home as much. And so I just really tried to just, you know, soak all that time in I could while I had. Birmingham Stallions tight end Jay Sternberger is our guest here. Playing in the USFL. First round of the playoffs, then advancing. Um, you guys live in the same city. You play in the same stadium. You've already played twice this year. You're one and one. Do you know all you need to know about the Breakers? It's just a matter of execution? Yeah, it's all about execution. They know what we're going to do. We know what they're going to do. They just, uh, like I said, we know their defense. Like, they like to talk. That's all they do is talk. They just, they're, uh, it helps them sleep at night, I guess. Because we don't talk to them. Like, we don't. There's no problem. We don't have no problems with them. It's just, you know, saying we're here for work. And then when it's game time, it's game time. But when it's not game time, you know, we're here to, we're hanging out with our friends and teammates. And it's, uh, we separate it. You know what I'm saying? Like we have a balance. We can, whenever we're on the practice field and game mode, it's kill the breakers. But off the field, you know, we really don't. We're not, we're not big fast talkers on our team. We don't, we don't like to, uh, you know, add fuel to the fire. On the other hand, where, if they see us, they, they always have something to say. And that's just how it goes, you know, when you're trying to get Big Brother's attention. 
You know who loves that? Football fans in Alabama. We're, we didn't yep. grow up watching trash talkers. We don't really like it. And those that don't, we love. And it's another one of the many things that have made the Stallions attractive here in the state of Alabama. So what will you prepare any differently because it's a playoff game? Do you practice any different? No, never that. Because then if you start practicing different now, basically you were selling, you're, you were cheating your teammates out all year long. You, know, you weren't giving them your all, basically what you're saying. And you can say, oh, I know it's playoff time. You got it's crunch time. Now it's, the only thing that needs to enhance is like put like Skip's been saying all weekend. You know, there's the no. It's no more my bad. It's, you know, because my bads now those get you beat. Where you get you have a my bad, and then you know you you still have time to make up for it, or you have that safety net. Oh, we still got four games left. Well, now it's well, shit, man. That was your that was your fifth my bad on the same play for five weeks in a row now, and now you're packing to go home. So that's one thing that's different is just the the details and assignments. Um. Uh, Skip Holtz also was named USFL Coach of the Year. Um, and uh, what is it about Coach Holtz that uh, sort of separates him from other coaches that you've had? Uh, and not necessarily, you know, that he's better than any other coaches you've had, but what what are his some of his uh, hallmarks? And also, I'm curious, is the offensive playbook as sort of detailed as an NFL <laughs> offensive playbook? Uh, it's it's not as detailed, and that's not a knock on his offense or anything. It's just more more college style, and so it's more. I mean, it's it's still very detailed and very very dense. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to it, and a lot of rules, and you got to know everything. But uh, I say the thing that's you know it's it's different is just the terminology. It's not as much verbiage, you know, as some NFL offenses, which is, which isn't a bad thing. Like I said, I I, I love this offense. Um. But yeah, just Coach Holtz, I think he just does a really good job of nobody's bigger than the team, and uh, I just I, I just feel like we're not a very confrontational team. Like we don't really ever have any issues out on the practice field. Like it's no egos, no one's arguing about playing time, and if they are, they they don't. They're they're not. They're they're mad. At, they're mad at something else already. Like they're. It. I think we we he's done a good job of letting it be a player led team, and so. The guys who are playing and who are, you know, contributing and really, you know, being voices of the team, he's letting them do that, and everybody else is kind of, you know, following behind it. And uh, I think he does a good job. And like I said, he has a lot of experience coaching, so he, uh, I'm sure he does things a lot different than when he first started coaching. So I just said I'm getting the the back end of it, and so I'm sure he's more calm and probably doesn't get as fired up about certain things, just like everybody does as we get older and realize that. Not, not that's not always the best way to get things done, and so it's uh it, it's been really really fun being with him this year. Jace, of course, we were kidding about our contributions to your performance earlier, but you said <laughs> oh, I, you said yeah, but, you, but you said that uh, you know if, if if you've done that previously, you need to keep doing it. Are you a superstitious yep. guy? Do you have a routine you go through? Anything like that? Like you eat a certain uh, meal? So I don't. I don't say I'm superstitious. Like I do have, I do things that are similar. Like I don't have a set meal, but like I, like I always make sure I eat. You know what I'm saying? Or do certain things, whatever. But I'm more of a. I don't even know what you call it. I'm more of a. I think I, I believe like history repeats itself, and like patterns they happen over time mm-hmm. again. And I said that the other day on a radio that I was doing, and some fan 
from Birmingham was like tweeting at me like they were mad at me they were like I can't believe you just compared the USFL to D1 college and I was like no like that's not what I did you just didn't hear me what I was saying is I compared my past in the same way of like back when I was I came out of college I played two years in Kansas didn't play then I went to junior college which is essentially lower than division one and then I had a really good year at JUCO found my love for football again all those good things then I went back up to the next level and then you know started producing and so that's what I said I said I played in two years in Green Bay it didn't really shake up how I wanted to then I went to the USFL which is you know essentially a level lower than the professional level and uh, the NFL and then you know and then I was like I'm hoping you know I can get back to that professional level after my stint in the USFL. So I uh, I definitely think, like, I think things happen again over and over, like, in certain ways. But I wouldn't say I'm superstitious. And if I am, like, I'm saying I'm not superstitious, but I do wear the same. There are certain things that I'll wear. But I'm, I'm getting at an age now where I'm like, all right, it's like, your shoestrings aren't going to dictate if you're about to go make this catch or not. Like, <laughs> like so I do have to set myself sometimes. Hey, we'll let you go real quick. Uh, what's your son's name, and how old is he, and what's he doing right now? Oh, he's in Houston. So anyway, yeah, he's a good he's, little uh, man. He's in Houston. He's at he's at school. Uh, his grandmother and grandpa they own a, um, a children's care center in Houston, so he goes to school there. Um, they they have kids oh. like ages newborns all the way to twelve years old. So he's doing oh, summer man. school right now, just playing. But he's a uh, he's he's one and a half right now. He's, he turns you know, two in December, and his name. Do you know how much money you're saving by the fact that you oh can keep it? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I had, yeah. Lars no. has three I all had, in daycare. What is I had it, a grand a month? Uh, that's funny. Try to multiply that times three and a half. Oh, God, I shouldn't be laughing hard. Sorry. Yeah, no. Especially cause I hear people talking about children's care, and I'm just like, I don't say anything. I never complain. I'm just like, I'm so blessed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. God, and you're... you're- the grandparents there, golly, what patience to have a, a whole house full of them or a whole room full of them. Yeah. I don't know if my... Oh, yeah, no, they got about 100. They have about 100 kids. Whoa. Wow. Man, think about the money they're making. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, great talking yeah. to you. Uh, Good luck. We'll be there yeah, Sunday sir, night. And yeah, we'll talk both next be week, there. You bet. All right. Yep. Sounds good. We'll do it again next week. Awesome. Yes, sir. What an interesting career this guy's had. And he's, what is he, 25 maybe? Yeah. He he Um, went to Kansas and didn't play. I mean, how bad do you have to be? He didn't play on the worst team in the history of college football. He's proved (laughs) everybody wrong. Oh, he is. I'm telling you, the the last two games that I've gone to, I've just watched him most of the time. He's open on every play. Like, there, there is not a linebacker or a strong safety that can keep up with him. And they're not going to usually commit to a, 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 a corner on him because he'll just destroy that corner in the run game. He is just a he's a huge mismatch. And there, there's a reason why he leads the league in touchdowns and was named first, first team USFL. I think three of the touchdowns I can recall right now. He just beat the pants off the safety, and Magoo yeah. just got it to him. Now, a couple of times he's made spectacular catches in the process, so all good. When um, he was talking about father-son, 
as a professional athlete and what it can do for you. It reminded me of a great story. Lars will remember it. You'll remember it. If not, you'll hear it on the other side of this commercial break as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiori, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. Hello to Sepp Shirey, running the show back at our flagship station, Tide 100.9. Just a quick glance over the shoulder for 23, 24 years ago about being a father. When we were talking to Jace, Lars, all of a sudden, my brain throws this image up. Payne Stewart on 18 at Pinehurst. You know, he's got the... Uh, the wind shirt that he's ripped the sleeves out of and he's battling for the U.S. Open and he's, and Phil Mickelson is right there and Payne Stewart drains a 20-footer to win the U.S. Open and a very, very young, very dejected Phil Mickelson is just like, you know, he is absolutely beside himself. Stewart walks over there and, and holds him literally by his head and he said, you're going to be a father. Was that one of the coolest moments in sports? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do remember that, and boy, the the tragedy of uh, Payne oh, yeah. Stewart. Um, it, you know, it, it's crazy, but it, he, it, the uh, private jet that he was on flew over uh, the airspace of Nebraska, and it was my childhood best friend was deployed. He was in the uh, he's he flew in the National Guard, still does. And he was one of the uh, jets that was deployed to go see. And he just, what he saw was just uh, that uh, the um, the windows of the uh, of the pilot cabin or the pilot's uh, windows uh, was frosted over. 
which let hit let, let him know that uh, that pressure had been lost in the cabin, and uh, and, and apparently uh, it's a, a pretty you know that they they had passed away before the plane actually crashed, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, I, I I never I didn't know Payne Stewart uh, personally, but I, I certainly loved him as a golfer. And uh, the fact that he he wore you know those old school outfits, uh, and and they were uh, sometimes he would wear like different football teams colors, and he uh, was just a, a great character for the uh, for the PGA Tour, and by all accounts, just a, a wonderful man. You know who was on that flight with Payne Stewart was uh, former Alabama quarterback uh, Robert Fraley. He was his agent, and uh, boy, I remember hearing it when it went down and all that. And you know, we were we were watching that, knowing pretty much what was going to happen. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, God bless the families of those on the uh, submerged submarine near the Titanic, because uh, those five people lost their lives. So, all right, Lars, uh, let's pick you it know, back. I, up. I heard I heard uh, somebody on television this morning say, um, "Well, we don't even know if they reached the Titanic or not." Yeah, <laughs> really? That it, you you have like two or, or maybe like eighty seconds, fifty seconds to talk about this tragedy, and that's what you're gonna say? I mean, give me a break. Uh, well, just some, sometimes, sometimes people just uh, I, and I know being on live television is hard, just like being on live radio is hard. Uh, but you've had to do it all your career, but. I mean, you just got to be sense. So you got to be ultra sensitive in 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 situations like this. I mean, have you ever been on air when you've had to deliver like bad news is delivered into your ear, and you have to somehow compose yourself oh, wow. to give the news? No, has that ever happened? To you? Ever happened while I was? I don't think anything's ever happened like that when I was actually on the air. You know, I've certainly had to prepare shows where delivering uh, just horrible news, tragic news to yeah. the viewers. Uh, and and it's very difficult, especially, you know, I, and the, the, the death of Paul Bryant is a perfect example, example because I was young. I was a 23-year-old reporter, my first TV job, second actually. but uh, And having to report that was being a Bryant fan growing up. Uh, that was very, very, very tough, and uh, was that, I don't know how we got down this road. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. It's it's, yeah. it's interesting to me. Was, was that the biggest story of your career? Yeah, at age? I don't think there's any question. It was yeah. probably the if if you ask people, I guess kind of my age, uh, the biggest stories in the state of Alabama. Um, I think the civil rights movement would probably rank at the very, very top, and, and all the other stories that surrounded it. But the death of Coach Bryant affected a lot of people in this state. Auburn, Alabama, didn't matter. Uh, people loved the guy. And it was a national story as well. So, uh, yeah. What about you? As long as we're going here. Uh, it's the toughest, hardest uh, story you ever had to write about as a result of tragedy. Man, probably it was one of my last. And that was uh, called the – it was a Bleacher Report and one uh, – won a bunch of awards no not tooting on my horn or anything but uh it was called the death of a teenage quarterback uh, and it was about a, a quarterback who had 
basically died on the football field in New Jersey. And uh, I, I, it took me a long time to convince the mom to uh, let me come up there and, and talk to her. And, uh, and then, you know, she just, she couldn't have been nicer. Um, and uh, I'm still in touch with her. And uh, she ended up sort of getting, she almost ended up being my reporter's assistant. Like she called all of um, this kid's best friends and his coaches and they all just came to her house over the course of two days. And so I was really able to recreate what happened sort of in real time. And I used what's called a uh, TikTok device where it's almost like you're, you're counting down uh, the minutes until the tragedy happens. Like you, you hint at the tragedy at the very beginning and then uh, it's sort of just a, a literary you know, mechanism to keep readers engaged and involved. But uh, I was really able to recreate that last day his name is Evan Murray, uh, the last day of Evan Murray's life. And, and through that, I uh, was able to uh, really get into his personality, who he was, establish an emotional connection between Evan and the reader. And then when what happens is uh, uh, when, he, when he passes away, uh, and and uh, it, it, it hits you hard. It hit, still hits me hard to this day. I'll, I'll never forget Evan Murray and Kelly Murray. Uh, but uh, long story short, he, uh, he was a really, really gifted quarterback. And uh, he took a couple of really big hits uh, in a game. And, uh, and they thought, you know, they thought head injury right away. Well, it turned out he had undiagnosed mono. And when you have mono, it causes your organs to like expand. And uh, he had uh, lacerated his spleen and it was, uh, they didn't know it. It was undiagnosed. And so he ended up bleeding to death uh, on in the, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So, sorry. Sorry to be be a a downer, but that was definitely the most important uh, story of my career. I mean, I've done bigger ones, obviously. I was the last one to do a feature on Dale Earnhardt before he died. I was on Air Force Two with the vice president, you know, but that one to me sticks out. It's a good story. When we come back, you got to tell us how we can find it and read it. We will also talk about Victor Winbayama. Well, more so about Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney. This is Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 
205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz in the Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz in the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Weekend is looking good. Warmer, drier, only a tiny chance of an isolated storm this afternoon. The daytime high near 86. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 65. And tomorrow for your Saturday, partly cloudy with a daytime high of 91 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, and Sepp. We are presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Lars, have you perfected the art of watching two or three different things on television at the same time with only one TV? Like last night, where you really focused in on bouncing back and forth between the NBA draft and the College World Series? I have not. I got to tell you, I just stayed with the uh, baseball game. I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was just, it was so good. And uh, I think by that time we knew that Brandon Miller had gone number two. And we talked a lot about it yesterday. And uh, we both believed that that Charlotte would come to its senses and, and take Miller number two. And, and they did. And I think Miller's going to be an absolute star in the league and hey uh two alabama athletes are going to be the heroes of of the uh, of charlotte uh i think it's called the queen city though i always thought cincinnati was the queen city but uh charlotte is i think known as the queen city so uh yeah we you and i need to start a sports bar in charlotte just uh naming it you know uh i don't know Uh, robbie glenn said we should call it winners and how about, that's a very how, about how about how about B and B's standing for Bryce and and uh, Bryce and Brandon <laughs> Bryce and Brandon. I could do that. B and uh, B and B. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we need to work on it. I think Noah Clowney went right where I thought he would go. We thought he'd be in the top twenty. He was actually twenty first, but. Uh, I thought the article, I need to give the writer credit, but it was on AL.com. We probably both read it this morning uh, about how Noah Clowney had never been to New York, and now he's going to stay <laughs> because he was uh, picked by the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's a great fit for him. I think that team has been on the verge uh, of being becoming special. I think I read where they made the playoffs five times and have been ousted uh, in the first round the first four years. So. I don't know he's necessarily the player, the glue that puts them together and, and gets them further down the line in the playoffs, but I don't know. Noah Clowney, Brooklyn Net, just sounds good. The other story yeah. I was reading about that was just fascinating is about former Mountain Brook player Colby Jones. Um, he left Mountain Brook. He's been at several schools, but he ended up at Xavier for three years, and he was selected second in the fourth round. 
And I can remember this guy playing with Trenton Watford. Do you remember those two when they played with Mountain Brook uh, under Bucky McMillan? I think they won three out of four championships uh, when they were there playing together. Um, He's a great player, and he's found his way into the NBA. Were there any other surprises? Well, I guess we could talk about Chuck Bediaco. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just not really sure that uh, we both agreed that maybe he – he might have decided too early, but uh, he didn't go in the first couple of rounds. And, you know, he'll get picked up by a G League, and, and he'll play, and I think he'll eventually get into the NBA. But um, I, I'm not, I know it's got to be really, really tough on a kid that's made this decision. His hopes are high, and then his number is never called. His name is never called. So uh, I feel for Chuck Bediaco because it's like Tom Stipe and everybody else I know that have been around him, they say he's just such a great deal. Okay, Betty Oko. Betty Oko Betty, has signed a one-year deal with the Spurs. Yeah. I, di- I didn't see that. Yeah, so uh, I think that it, it's potentially a good landing spot for him. Uh, who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he just uh, he really surprised, I think, a lot of people in the Alabama program including uh, Coach Oates, that uh, that he decided to go. Um, you just you look at just his his raw stats. Uh, he he start last season. He started all thirty seven games. Averaged six point four points, six rebounds, one point eight blocks, uh, and uh, was uh, he was named All SEC Defensive Team. We really, we lo- you and I love the fact. I think most Alabama fans did that he was just like this really uh, terrific rim protector with good athleticism, and uh, and 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 I think he has the potential to be a very good post player in the NBA, but he just. He just needed more time to grow, and now the the fact that you're not you're not even drafted it just makes it so much harder to to stick in the league, right? Like if he would have stayed at Alabama and somehow worked his way into the first round, the odds of you uh, having a uh, career that lasts more than I don't know three three four years. Is, is very great but when you are an undrafted guy you're just one of a gazillion undrafted guys and it, it's just harder to catch the attention of uh of gms of head coaches and uh i i just uh i i wonder if there's another reason why he left because it did just made it didn't make sense to us at the time Certainly doesn't make sense to us now. Well, now that he is gone, it looks like Alabama has uh, inked and possibly will get through the transfer portal a couple of power forwards anyway. I don't know that he can replace exactly what uh, Badiaco did as a rim protector, but Alabama does have some height coming in. Uh, I wish him the best. I'll tell you what, if he improves in the NBA from year one to year two, the way he did at Alabama, he's... He's going to play a long time in the NBA. All right. You are listening to Big Noon Sports. Coming up next hour, we're going to try and connect with uh, our 
College World Series, our college baseball man, Robbie Glenn. And we'll talk to him about what happened last night and what's going to happen this weekend in the world of college baseball. You've been listening, and we'll listen for another hour to Big Noon Sports. Need a WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, and Seth. Thank you for joining us for our second hour on a Friday afternoon. It's hot, but it's a nice day, and it's going to be this way all weekend. And I'm glad the Stallions are playing at 6 o'clock, Lars. (laughs) I don't want to go sit in this heat for three hours, do you? Although, it's okay if you're playing golf or something, you know? Then you don't really mind as much. But, uh, by the way, you played golf yesterday. Yes, we'll go through the headlines here in a minute. But uh, do you mind telling us? Who you yeah. ran into and how that yeah. happened? Yeah, it was uh, it was cool, and like this is one of the reasons I love golf so much, is that it, it's uh, it's as it almost you know uh, like a, a, as social a sport as there is. So Lincoln and I went, uh, my eight year old son Lincoln, we went to the driving range out at Robert Trent Jones Oxmore uh, Valley. Uh, and we hit a, uh, actually this, a, a woman saw Lincoln carrying his bag and she just, she looked at me and she's like, that is the cutest kid I've ever seen. She's like, here, you could give him all of my balls. And she had just bought this thing, a, a big bucket of balls. So she gave Lincoln balls. So Lincoln hits, uh, and you know, he's hitting pretty well, but, uh, we, we play a couple holes on the the backyard, which is this new par three out there that is specifically designed for, uh, I mean, really for kids, but uh, you're going to be hitting your wedge off of every hole. You know, it's like 97 yards, 67. I think the longest hole is maybe like 130. So you're, you're, it's a, it's a great chance for older golfers, more mature golfers, uh, to work on their, on their short game. But, uh, we were like halfway through it and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just using this as a way to teach Lincoln golf, right. And the fundamentals of the swing and, and, and chipping and how important the short game is and all of that. And, um, uh, a, uh, a, a guy and his son, uh, they were playing faster than us. And, uh, and so I was just like, Hey, you know, feel free to play through. And they, and he said, okay, yeah, thank you. And then as we're waiting for them, uh, to play through Lincoln says to me, daddy, why don't you ask them to play with us? I was like, wow, 
you're you just outsmarted your daddy. I should have asked that in the first place because it's another father. It only took him eight years. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. That's that's like the least surprising thing in the world that he's uh, at eight. He is already has more wisdom than I have at age. Uh, well, we don't want to get into my age, but um, we uh, then uh, so we invite them and they accept. And, you know, Lincoln had kind of been struggling. And then suddenly he's got an audience. He just starts crushing the ball. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he, it's like he needs people to see him or something. I don't know. Uh, and I think that could bode well for the future. But um, so I, I start talking uh, to this guy, and uh, it turns out his name is Grady Brown. And I, so I, you know, he, he asked me, wait, what do you do for a living? And I I told him, and then I said, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I said, you know, of all the things that you would have said, that is not what I would have uh, predicted. (laughs) And he just couldn't have been nicer. And uh, Grady has uh, been uh, sort of, been around for for quite a while uh just working his way up the coaching ladder and he got a a chance with the with the Steelers he's entering his second year remember the Steelers just drafted uh Joey Porter as uh, Joey Porter Jr. as their first round draft pick so he's going to be charged with uh, developing him but I mean you, you just look at, at at his career he started at he played at Alabama A&M and he started coaching Go there Bulldogs. in 2001 then he coached at Alabama State then Southern Miss then he was at South Carolina with uh, Spurrier uh, then Birmingham Southern, Alabama State again, Louisville, Old Dominion, McNeese State, University of Houston. I mean, this guy's a grinder. And, uh, and he, he's finally gotten this, this wonderful opportunity with uh, Mike Tomlin, who's very well respected throughout the league. And, um, and, and, uh, and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, Matt, like, you're aware of this. Uh, when when I did that book with Bruce Arians, somehow it just it, because BA was so well liked across the NFL, it like just gave it gave me instant credibility, right? And so like when I told uh, Grady that, that that I had worked with BA on a book, it's just like you know he opened up to me. Because he knew that I knew sort of what it was like, and um, and he, uh, you know, just I, I, I was just asking him about the uh, just the the pro football for coaches is incredibly unglamorous. It's all about meetings early in the morning, late at night meetings, meetings during the day. Uh, practice just has to go off without a glitch. You know, you maintain this rigorous, rigorous schedule down to the second, literally, of each practice. And it, it, it's just, it's tough. And so I asked him, I'm like, you know, what, why, why have you stuck with it? Like, what, what is it? He's just like, Hey, it's either in your blood or it's not. 
He's like, just like you, I'm sure there's some things about your job that, that you don't like, but you, you keep pushing forward because you love it. And it's true. Like, you know, uh, I, I writing is very, very hard. And I, I always think this, why, why in the world did I do this? Why did I get myself into this? And then you finally, you actually start, you get that first sentence laid down. Every book has to start with, you know, a sentence. And uh, I, I always like joke about, not joke, but like I always want to take pictures of just the first sentence I write to see if it stays like that. Uh, after all the editing and incarnations and rewriting that the book goes through. But uh, he was just like, it's all about your passion. And I did, I just was, and, and Lincoln heard all of this and I loved it because it's just such a great life lesson don't do something just because of the money or the potential for uh, something other than do it do it because you're passionate about it and if you follow your passion it will never feel like work and that's the way it's been with me my entire life I feel like I've never gone to work in a single day of my life uh, and I, I know you feel the same way Matt No question about it. Um, sorry, I had a mic so, slip there. No, that's it cool. No, no, it, it you does. Know, this guy but, really is fascinating. Yeah. So, do you uh, he's know from do Birmingham? You, do you, uh, yeah. I mean, you, it's funny because I texted you. I was like, "Hey, I just play golf with a, a Steelers assistant coach," and you, right away you just said Grady Brown. I'm like, how did you know that? Internet. <laughs> well, you know what I was doing. You know what I did is, God, how long has he been there? I think you said. You he's, may too, not he's, in your, he's in year two but, with the Steelers. Uh, I used to know, and still do, two longtime um, assistant coaches at Pittsburgh. One was John Mitchell, who yeah. played at Alabama. Yeah, wonderful, he's buddies with Mitchell. Person. Yeah, and uh, Mitch is a great guy. And uh, then Kevin Butler. Do you, you ever remember him? He played 10 years for the Seahawks. He was a linebacker. Um, but... I got to know him because we both had our appendixes out at the same time. We were in the <laughs> same hospital room. And I was a year or two younger than him, but we started talking because he was playing for Lee High School. It's a long story about it. But the minute wow. you said that, I wanted to go, okay, is there a chance? Was Mitch? You know, I don't. But uh, then I found out that he had only been there a couple of years, and that kind of nicks all the conversation about yeah. that. But uh, there's a tie to the Steelers. You have to get him on because I have one question I would like to ask, and that's what do the Roonies do that seems to be better than any other yeah, franchise? Yeah, that is, that, that is so true. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, just from a reporting standpoint, like, uh, you know, we exchange cards and uh, I, I know he's busy today. He was going to try to join us today. Maybe we can get him on next week. But um, this is how you cultivate sources, you know, and uh, just by staying in touch and, and, uh, and, and um, you know, just sort of sharing, just being yourself. And, uh, you know, if I ever have to do a, a story in Pittsburgh, like Grady Brown could be uh, someone that, that I would get in contact with. It's like, all, I, it's networking, it's all, baby. It, you know yeah, it. yeah. I mean, and I, I wouldn't, 
like it was just two dads playing with their kids you know that and that's what's so cool about this uh little you know was not expecting this yesterday after after our show and and uh it's just uh like i said a really uh neat component of golf is the social aspect of it and you know i joke about how i want lincoln to uh get a a golf scholarship to wake forest (laughs) Right. You usually uh, say Vanderbilt. Have you changed? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, 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 yeah, I got Wake Forest on the brain. I, I meant Vanderbilt. <laughs> I meant Vanderbilt, the Harvard oh. of the South. Um, but but really, you know what golf is great for? It, it's just uh, if you got game and you, and you play with buddies, you play with clients. So how many business deals have been conducted on a golf course? Right, I mean, just it, 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 billions it, and billions. It, it, of yeah, dollars it, it, it just it just helps you as an overall person if you want to be successful in business to be able to play the game. Uh, I'm I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that because uh, certainly some of my closest relationships, not just in Birmingham, but were uh, with with uh, people in, in New York. They were forged on the golf course. I mean, there's no question about it because uh, especially if you're walking or if you're riding the cart with somebody, you know, it's like four, you have four and a half hours with this person. And it's cool because you don't necessarily have to have a four hour ongoing conversation because you're getting out after about every 30 seconds of the cart to hit, hit your ball. But uh, it's just a great way to 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 meet people, and uh, and I was very fortunate to meet Grady Brown, the Steelers defensive backs coach, uh, yesterday, Matt. And as we go to break, Robbie Glenn's going to join us on the other side. I will share this with you: of, of more reasons that Matt Coulter should like Grady Brown. He went to Alabama A&M, as I have told you. I grew up in Huntsville, right across the street from Alabama A&M University, a little residential area called Lakewood, but. Hey, guess what Coach Brown majored in? I don't know. Mathematics. Mathematics. You don't see many college coaches that uh, majored in mathematics. So, (laughs) get him on next week. That'll be a lot of fun. Robbie Glenn's talking College World Series baseball on the other side of the break on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Weekend is looking good. Warmer, drier, only a tiny chance of an isolated storm this afternoon. Today, time high near 86. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 65. 
And tomorrow for your Saturday, partly cloudy with a daytime high of 91 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 83 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Appreciate you joining us. We had a lot of people watching ESPN2 last night. Uh, a lot of people in the South. A lot of people in uh, North Carolina. It was just a fantastic game between LSU and Wake Forest. Uh, Lars is like Wake from the get-go. I kind of did too, but when it started getting down, you could see that there was going to be an SEC team here, an SEC team there. I really started pulling for LSU because that guarantees an SEC victory. And um, it happened in one of the most compelling. People are starting to call the greatest college World Series game of all time. And I don't know if I'd put it that far, but uh, the list wouldn't be long, Lars. I know you, uh, and you're a baseball guy. You're not as fanatical and obsessed with it as I am. But uh, you watched it to the final inning, too, until, until Tanks lifted one to left and game over. Two to nothing. Joining us to talk about that is Robbie Glenn, who played baseball at the University of Alabama, and he has been our college baseball World Series SEC Tournament Alabama regular season guru. Robbie, it's Matt and Lars. You know the gang. How are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Happy Friday. I just got to ask you in general, what about that baseball game last night, Robbie? Oh, that was that was that was just one of the best games I've I've ever seen. Um, and exactly what I was hoping we were going to get at the beginning of the World Series when they were paired up, you know, after they won their game. But I knew they'd already throw their aces, and I was like, "Crap! I want to see them go head to head." And we got it, and it it lived up to the billing. Both pitchers just amazing. How how they control each pitch, how hard they can throw, and how I mean they just hit their spots. I mean it's just unfair as a hitter to see that. Those guys are just amazing, both of them. Were you surprised that they were so effective on short rest, and were you surprised that they went as long as they did? Uh, Not really, no. I mean, yeah, it was short rest, but it wasn't too short. I mean, they, they both had a pretty good break, and we're talking, that's, you know, win and keep playing, lose, go home, and that's what they were there for. Uh, I, I was shocked they threw so many innings, but man, just impressed. You know, as a hitter, you know, I'm old school. See the ball, hit the ball. You know, that's just the way I was, and, and I used to do it pretty good, I thought. And But these guys throwing at 100 miles an hour, you know, and, and then 95, but having five or six different pitches that they have, they can hit inside, outside, drop it, get out of the zone. They had control of every pitch. So that's just amazing to watch. You know, and just and that's what they did. They mowed down hitter after hitter until the eleventh inning, and I just fell for that relief pitcher, man. First pitch gone. Yeah. No, I I, I mentioned that earlier. Like uh, my heart just broke for that young man. Uh, one pitch and that, that ball was there was no doubt about it that that was going over the fence. Um, as a hitter, Robbie. Generally speaking, right, uh, you face them once, 
and then they got to go through the lineup a second time and then a third time. Don't you usually get, I guess this is what separates the great, the great pitchers from the, uh, you know, better than average, but not, not great. And that is the fact that you can go through a lineup a second time and a third time and still have the hitters having no idea what is coming. Is, is that part of the success that each of these guys had last night or was there or was their stuff just so good that was it was untouchable well a little bit of everything i mean yeah going against some of the best hitters in the game and then you know still having trouble hits so yeah their stuff is that good but also these pitchers nowadays are smart and they're charting you know i'm sure they got a guy up there charting for him and saying hey he fouled off this pitch pretty good he was you know second pitch waiting on it so these guys are charting too and they remember what you didn't swing at, what you did swing at, and what what they almost got you to swing at. So it, it's a it's a game, but when these guys are in control of every pitch, like I said, it doesn't matter if you faced them three or four times or a back to back double header. These guys are that good, and you got to hope they give you a mistake pitch that you get to jump on. And as a hitter, that's what you're looking for is a mistake pitch. And these guys didn't make it. You know, and I and that reliever did make a mistake pitch. That was not his best pitch. That ball kind of floated across, and he jumped on it. And and I'm glad he did it the right way. He ran around full speed till he knew it was gone. Celebrated. Yep. Didn't show him up, and then went right over and hugged him after because he knew that was a big moment for both of them. So just great game. But now I know my Florida Gators who I picked. Even though they're not my Florida Gators, don't get that twisted. I'm still Crimson Tide. Nobody's ever going to do that, Robbie. I know, but I I picked Florida to win this thing because of their hitters and their depth, and they proved it. What do they have, like seven, eight home runs? And the whole, the rest of the the seven teams have like 11 total combined. They've got Florida has eight, something like that. Like Florida's hitting the ball. Does uh, does it back pressing? Does a in his prime Robbie Glenn hit that meatball that that the, the relief pitcher served he up? It further. Did you hit it over the oh, fence? The cocky Robbie's gonna say, "Yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have been all over that pitch." But you know, now if you'd ask me about hitting uh, guys, uh, man, I don't know, hundred one every pitch, and and then a ninety mile an hour changeup. That's just crazy. It's unfair. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I'd probably use my two-strike approach, wide out, and try and hit it right back at his head if I could. But I don't know. Um, I'm just looking forward to now that all SEC. We got an SEC champion again in another sport. No, no question. That's obviously going to happen. Biggest play of the game was LSU's uh, defending of the squeeze. Uh, first, just on a real technical note. Was that a suicide, a safety, or a combination squeeze? That was a safety squeeze. He did not break till that ball was down. Um, But still, what a play. First of all, he's coming full speed. And he's got a first baseman glove on, so it's not like a little shortstop glove where he can just get it out really quick. So it went deep into the pocket and still got it out, lightning quick, full stride, and made the throw. And then the catcher made a heck of a tag. So, yeah, that was a safety because if it was suicide, he's almost to the plate by the time that pitch is there. 
He's safe. So, no question. Yeah, he, he's safe. But uh, so that was a safety squeeze, and it was a great play. But that was the only way they were getting him. That was that saved the game right there. Yeah, was that Robbie? In your mind, was that the biggest play of the game? Oh, by far, biggest play of the game. But that was just a tremendous. Oh my gosh, they finally got a run. No, they didn't. Not only that, deflate Wake Forest. That just pumped up LSU. Like that. That was just. I, I play first. That that had to be one of the best plays I've seen a first baseman make in a long, long, long time. You know, I'm not sure, and I wish I could recall his name immediately. I'm not sure we're giving a catcher enough credit. You got a guy barreling down on you like that. You're going to have to take a soft toss thrown offhand uh, to the plate. And then, by the way, I think the Wake Forest guy made a huge mistake because he, he, he slid too high. He was up in the air. If he goes low, that plays a lot closer. But the, the catcher had to grab the ball and sweep the tag quickly. So... It was just an outstanding play on all counts. But do you agree? Did the Wake Forest base runner make a little bit of a mistake in his slide? Yeah, I thought he dove, like you said, a little high. He did try to go around and hit the backside, but more of a hook slide he would have been in instead of going straight like he did, like a Superman dive. I think if he would have bent his body a little better. Um, but, yeah, the catcher made like a uh, like you see at a shortstop when a guy's stealing this, the catch and slap tag. That was great. But let's not remember, the catcher has to be in front. It ain't like back in the day where the catcher could try and block the plate. That catcher would have been wiped out if he had been back in the day blocking yeah, the plate. Yeah, Robbie, I was going to ask you that. That's no longer allowed, right? The, the pitch, no, it's or not. The, catch, the catcher has it's to be in, fr in front of the plate. He has to be in front until he receives the ball. Once he receives, then he can slide to block. But he cannot be blocking the plate waiting on the ball to come they're trying to do away with all the collisions that they were having okay and so, um man i are you surprised that it wasn't more of a of a suicide squeeze like I, if you trust your uh, batter if you trust your batter there to get it down on the ground and you have you have the the guy on third Running right when the uh, the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, I mean in retrospect, right? Uh, like that's that he would have scored. Uh, but is, is that just too risky for a double play or an easy out at home if uh, if he ends it, up swinging and missing or it's a ball? There, but you do a suicide squeeze. Your guy leaves too early and they see it and they pitch out. Then you're you're it's an out like, or if it's a bad pitch and he doesn't get a chance, he, he's out. Like there's so many things that could go wrong. A safety squeeze was the right call, and it was the right call. He'd have been safe if it wasn't for that play. Like that was a great call and a great punt. So, is it that is was it, the right call. Uh, it in a situation like that? Is it smarter to bunt up the first base side, or would you rather go to the third base side? Just because from if you're if the third baseman wouldn't have as easy of an angle of a throw, I would think. Yeah, third baseman probably wasn't charging. I mean, you, you first thing you just want to get the ball down, All right? So that's your you don't want to go right back at the pitcher. So basically, you put, you, you you choose a side. Like I said, usually that first baseman's not crashing like like you just saw him. 
like they crash, but then they break down. He never broke down. He was in full stride. Like, so either way, you know, yeah, you can say get it down third baseline, bit a little harder, because then you, the third baseman's got to make the throw coming around the hitter or the, the base runner that's running. So maybe, but I, your, your mind, you're just getting the ball down. Like, I just want to get it down and not back, not in the air. So, like I said, it was a, it was a great play. It just the first baseman just shined on that one. Yeah, man, there was no question. We all agree 100%. That was the yep. play of the game, but it was a great game, and Wake Forest gave it all they got. And they came out short, in the, maybe the worst pitch of the game, <laughs> and White just lost yeah. it. Uh, Robbie, uh, as we go to break, yep. let you go in a second. Can you bunt? Can I bunt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can bunt. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say I could bunt when we played uh, against Georgia in the SEC championship. I I, I missed one. I got three zero and then ended up freaking fouling out, striking out. But when I needed I to bunt, bring- so but yes, I could bunt. I normally can bunt. Yes. I hated to bring up a sore subject. Sorry about that, Robbie. Yeah, way to bring up an old memory. Uh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> hey, have a great afternoon, and uh, we'll talk again on Monday. Lars, hey, you got Rob, one more? Yeah, yeah one good. more, one more. I, I, I know I've yeah, asked Lars. you this. I've asked you this before. How would you do if you win against Montana, Fouts? <laughs> uh, I would like to think I would hit it. Now, it's a different pitch. Now, again, it's location. See the ball, hit the ball. And, again, she's bringing it. It's a bigger ball, and I've been I've been coaching a fast pitch for what 14 years now, and I can bring it. I can I can heat it up underhand. I would like to try. Not saying I could, but uh, I, that would be. I wouldn't be scared to. I'd love to dig in and try, but you know, I'll wear a helmet. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be. I would too love scared. to try though. I couldn't lean into uh, Montana Fouts fastball. Matt, Matt, well, I hope I can see the ball better than I could a baseball. <laughs> well, I, I was a line drive slap hitter, not really a slap hitter, but uh, I guarantee you one thing, Robbie, I'd be as and far back in that box as I could possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, you could get that extra millisecond look on it, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it'd be fun to do. Um, Robbie, thanks. Hello yeah. to hey, hey, yeah, your hey, family hey, and, and, you, and to Scry Striker and all that. And speaking of your family, all just right. give us an update on Striker really quick and uh, about your golf tournament. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, Striker's you know having his issues the last couple of weeks. Found out both skips are out of out of socket now, um, mm. and nothing we could do about it. Um, so he's just in a lot of pain. We did get shots yesterday, Botox in oh, all geez. his joints. To try to ease it, 200 units they shot in his joints to try and ease his pain. Um, he can't have surgery because he can't be put under. Cup. Can't wear braces because then he would neurostorm with something restricting his his movement, where he can't get excited and move. So basically, he's got to deal with it now, um, and I have to be the only one to pick him up. And uh, so I hate it for him. Uh, just one more thing we're gonna have to deal with, but. Tough, tough little bugger keeps smiling. And uh, as far as my golf tournament, eh, you know, it's September 22nd before Old Miss, Highland. Still need uh, sponsors want to come out. Anyone wants to come out. But we have 288 golfers, have a sponsor on every hole. A lot of athletes going to be there. You know, Langham, Antonio Lamb, Jay will be there. Uh, Kevin Lee, Prince Wembley, Chris Anderson, a lot of my Bama. Marcel Darius is going to play. He's already, he called me yesterday. He said he's in. 
Nice. Um, so a lot of guys, Coach Wentz Sanderson's going to play. Brian Pasnick, who you, he, you had on yesterday. So a lot, lot of, lot of great athletes. Stan White from Auburn is coming out, trying to get Al Del Greco, Tony Curry's playing. So it's a good time. Uh, raise money for kids with brain injuries and other special needs, and uh, just uh, help families that we can along the way. Trying to help Miracle League in uh, Helena with some of their uh, baseball. They have a Miracle League baseball league. We're gonna try and help with that. So, awesome and, uh, effort. Hope y'all can come out. Oh, we'll be We're there. working on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. All right, bye. All right, guys, have a great weekend. You, yeah, too. you too, Robbie. You want to come I'm, back? Come on. Yeah. Hey, we'll be <laughs> yeah. we'll be there uh, maybe tonight. <laughs> All right, come on. I'll be there. What is what? All right. Good deal. Um. Hey, we're wrapping up the Friday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing. Uh, got some maybe below the fold, but very interesting topics to bring in. I'm going to throw a bunch of them at Lars and just let him react. Back in a minute. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Enter your clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Chris. Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, Redefined. Med Center Urgent Care Family Medicine, no appointment necessary. We've got to get you back to 100%. Injuries, occupational health, sports physicals, all available there. If you're a little under the weather, let us treat you. Med Center Urgent Care Family Medicine, medcenterurgentcare.com. The online check-in has significantly reduces the weight for my family, and I know they'll do for good for you as well. It's Med Center Urgent Care Family Medicine. No appointment necessary. Locations in Tuscaloosa, Northport, also North River right off Rice Mine Road, Hoover, Fayette, Demopolis, Med Center Urgent Care Family Medicine, over 20 years of serving the great city of Tuscaloosa and West Alabama. MedCenterUrgentCare.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Weekend is looking good. Warmer, drier, only a tiny chance of an isolated storm this afternoon. Today, time high near 86. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low near 65. And tomorrow for your Saturday, partly cloudy with a daytime high of 91 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
final 10 minutes of big news sports on this sunny, hot Friday afternoons. Matt Coburn, Lars Anderson with you. Lars, if you had a Mount Rushmore of golfers, who would be your four? Be uh, Mount Rushmore of golfers, uh, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Ben Hogan. I can't believe we have the same ones. <laughs> well, not really after the first two, because Tiger and Jack should be on everybody's. Then I, I think there's there's very legitimate reasoning with Arnold Palmer. But the fourth one, I, I, I go back, because Gary Player was a great, what about, you know, Tom Watson was a great player. But we actually agree on that. Okay. Yeah, so, so I, I uh, one time, I, I wrote a long book proposal about Ben Hogan coming back from the car accident that he was in. Uh, and, and I don't know if you know the whole story. And yeah, I, I do. I, I don't remember all the details, but it's just amazing what he was able to do. And this was before Tiger got in his car accident, but um, uh, he was able to come back and I think win the U.S. Open not long Indeed. after. Yeah, it, 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 right outside of Philadelphia. And I wanted just to sort of recapture that season and uh it's one of those that i one of those proposals that i spent months and months on and ultimately my agent said nope so uh i got it somewhere on my laptop maybe i'll maybe i'll resuscitate it one day but uh i shouldn't be telling people about my (laughs) my book ideas should i why don't you just call jeff perlman right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> just, just hand that one to Jeff just like hand I handed him Bo Jackson. Yeah. yeah, here's another bestseller for you. Okay, um, you know I he's working. This. He, he's working on a Tupac book, and he he wanted to get out of the genre of sports. And uh, man, he's. I talked to him the other day, and uh, you know Jeff Perlman. Uh, we grew up together at Sports Illustrated. Very successful author, and he said for for like Bo Jackson book, he interviewed something like 600 people, which is the most he'd ever done. And for Tupac, he was already up to like 1300. I mean, it's just crazy. The amount of people that that Jeff is. Yeah. It's, you would say, uh, obsessive would be the word, uh, but, uh, Hey, it produces uh, amazing, amazing copy. And, uh, Jeff's one of the best in the country. So I'm going to check that out. As uh, I have often said, I'm sure I stole it from someone, but information is the world's greatest commodity. More you get better off. You're going to be okay. Oh, yeah. Yesterday I teased this Lars, um, cause I read an article about, I think they had a total of 25. A record in the world of sports that will never be beaten. Can you come up with maybe one or two real quick off the top of your head? Records that will never be broken. Uh, DiMaggio's, what, 56-game hitting streak? It's a good one. It's on this list. Uh, uh, let's see. Um what was UCLA's winning streak in basketball? I think they won. Bill Walton, nine out of uh, ten or ten out of eleven. Yeah, but but they, but they were they had a number of games back to back. Oh, they won eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. 
Uh, so I that, think they that lost to Notre be, Dame. Uh, yeah, it was Notre remember Dame. That. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, that I was, remember that and forget yeah. to get gasoline in my car. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's Damn amazing. Near run out. Right? Damn near ran no, out yesterday, Lars. Th- th- to the th- bank. That, um, yeah, that game, it was at Notre Dame. And yep. uh, I would, I'd still, I've seen highlights of uh, the, the fans. Uh, they did storm the court. Uh, and you know my feelings on storming the court, but in that case, it was okay. Uh, let's see, records that won't be broken. So one more would probably be, gosh, now I'm going to go with Jack Nicholas winning uh, 18 majors because <laughs> I thought if anybody could do it, it'd be Tiger, and Tiger's not doing it. So I'll tell you what is associated with him that I don't think will ever be broken is he finished. 19 times second in majors. Yeah. <laughs> but here's mine, and I've been sticking by this forever. Cy Young's total wins is 5'11. Nobody will ever touch that. Never. Uh, no. They don't pitch long no. enough to get decisions every, and they'd only pitch one out of every, what, once a month now? Obviously. I mean, don't, don't you think if the game keeps going the way it is, that even reaching 300 wins is almost going to be impossible. I, I agree. Robbie Glenn says uh, Cal Ripken's streak of uh, games in a row. You remember that game that night and, and how cool it was when he ran around the field high-fiving everybody at the new Camden Yards? It was just yeah. uh, what a pitch-perfect evening for Major League Baseball. Okay, here's another one. If you're going to go to Rico's, all right, you're going to be there with all the LSU fans, 30,000 shots, jello shots. What would be your flavor? Orange. I'm not talking about the alcohol. Orange? Yeah. Did your mama make the orange? Yeah, I love orange she, jello. And you know what? She, she put, put banana and oranges in it? She, no, she put bananas in it. Bananas go in lime, Lars. <laughs> I didn't know Mandarin that. oranges go in orange. <laughs> and uh, cherries. I can't remember that. I think I'd go with cherry. Pretty deep uh, subject here on Big News. I haven't, uh, I haven't had Jello in quite a while. Maybe I'll make some for my kids here. You know, uh, we get it in the little bitty cups. Uh, but I think it has to be made in a glass bowl where you can just take a big spoon and dip right into it. I mean, isn't that the rule? Yeah. Jello. Yeah. Uh, A lot of Cool Whip on top. Cool Whip. All right. It's got to be Cool Whip. I've uh, I've filled the last few minutes here. I will get onto a story that is uh, (laughs) now making news. Um, We talked about it yesterday because Andy Kennedy's name was being floated around Morgantown uh, to be the coach to succeed the recently retired, resigned. Bob Huggins, uh, but he put out on social media, not happening, fake news. I'm paraphrasing for him. Um, but is there any room for wiggle here? Is there a jello wiggle here, or is Andy just staying <laughs> in Birmingham? That's it. I think Alan, I think Andy's staying in Birmingham, uh, and uh, that's a good thing for the Blazers. Um, I think it was smart. I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia contacted him, but you never can underestimate the power of being rooted in a community and having your your family uh is comfortable here 
and uh, and he's he, he I'm sure he loves his job. You know why 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 shake that up? I mean the 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 one reason you would do it is because it would be obviously a step up. And it would be uh, sort of his last chance, I think, at a big time job. Uh, but uh, you know, there's something to be said for living in Birmingham. I mean, hey, I've had a chance to go out to LA, go back to New York, and I choose Birmingham for uh, so many reasons. We'd have to add another hour to uh, continue <laughs> on this show. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I really thought the temptation to get back into a major conference and the kind of money that West Virginia can afford, I, I thought he might give it a look. Maybe he did and just decided not to. I don't know. I, I think West Virginia did contact him. Now, I don't know that. I hadn't talked to Andy. Sent him an email. Uh, he's on the road recruiting. And that's why his uh, Twitter or his text or whatever message he sent on social media was uh, at 11.55. Somebody asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm recruiting, man. I'm on the road so who knows? Maybe he was in Morgantown, but uh, I think he's staying, and that is just a huge win for UAB and Alabama basketball in this state. Um, it's a it's a cool thing, and um, Andy and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, I'd like to kind of keep him around for those reasons, if nothing else. Yeah, hey, he's a good source, and uh, no, he's a, he's a great coach. He's a great coach. Yeah, UAB is fortunate to have him. I mean, that's uh, I, I I firmly believe that, and I think uh, you know he's the kind of coach that can consistently get UAB at least on the, if not in the NCAA tournament, on the cusp of the NCAA tournament. And and I don't know, is that the ceiling of UAB basketball? Oh, uh, you know they'll be in a different league. So they're going to move up a little bit that way. Yeah. Um, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, Andy is the uh, winningest coach at Ole Miss. Uh, he's I think he is. 3.44 and 194. That's at 6.40 in a percentage. That ain't bad, people. No, not at all. And I know you weren't around to see it, but, man, he had game. Man, he could play. With good knees, he'd have spent 10 years in the NBA. I am positive of that. I'm also positive that our Friday show has come to a close. And uh, we'll be talking to you Monday at noon on Big Noon Sports. Thanks, Lars. See you in a little while. Everybody be safe this weekend.